Mike Tomlin had had a lot of comments during his Tuesday press conference for the Pittsburgh Steelers after that loss to the Dolphins. But a lot of questions were about the offense. What's the plan for the chunk plays? Are the jet sweeps being too much? And what's the you know what's the that's the temperature for like have to be for Mike Tomlin to make a change on in the offense wholly? We'll talk about all of that here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter, joined today by Josh Taylor of KDKA TV and 93.7 The Fan. It's going to be an interesting episode, lots of insight, talking about numbers and expectations and the comparative plans across other NFL offenses, all right here in the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things of the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. If you're watching this video on YouTube, hit the like button on this video. If you enjoyed, hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel to get all of our daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content. And we, we as always, uh, you can you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, YouTube. Uh, thanks again for checking us out. We're, we uh, Make sure to make us your first listen every day. As I said before, Josh Taylor, KDK TV, 93.7 The Fan. He's back on the show with us. Um, Josh, it was an, it's, it's always an interesting week when the Steelers lose on social media because people say different things and all, all the different conjectures. Everyone's trying to be the first smart one in the room to suggest something. Uh, but, you know, I always, you know, when I, I temper things down, there are basic observations that you can make. Uh, but usually it's Mike Tomlin who speaks on Tuesday and then things people start to run in different directions with things that can kind of spiral certain conversations out, out of whack. Sounds like you're talking about like half the people I work with. Be too specific or anything, but but no, seriously, it it does seem like that's the standard procedure. Um, It seems like Mike Tomlin says something and he could say the sky is blue and you will hear five different conversations about which shade of blue did he mean? And, you know, if the sky is blue, what does that mean for if the sky is orange? Does that mean he he picked the wrong shade of blue? It just, it, it gets insane. And I, I understand it comes with the territory of being a head coach because it's the same thing with some college coaches in some areas. I, I, I've covered a team for, for three years where, you know, the coach said one thing and it was a, it was a discussion for literally four days. So it, 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 I understand it comes with the territory. It's the range of what gets discussed that I think that kind of ventures into the realm of the ridiculous. And I think a lot of this, and you and I have talked about this on many mm-hmm. occasions, there's a lot of things that Mike Tomlin won't come out and directly tell you, but he will leave you subtle clues. And those clues, if you if you kind of follow along with them, you pick up the breadcrumbs, you'll get to the destination you want to go to. And that, they started that trail of breadcrumbs that led you to Kenny Pickett when they drafted him. They started mm-hmm. that trail of breadcrumbs last season, and people didn't pick up on it until the draft came around. And then Kenny Pickett was there number 20th overall, and the rest, as they say, is history. But there is a method, if you will, to the madness of what Mike Tomlin tries to tell you without necessarily telling you. And you have to be able to follow along with it. And sometimes you got to understand the context and what he's talking about. You got to understand the makeup of those particular parts of the game and how they're structured to understand where he's coming from. And if you can do those things, then you're probably not as far out on the ledge as some of the other folks are. But there you go. Well, well, let's let's do two things here. One, 
let's listen to what he actually had to say about some things and then let's apply some proper context because i think what happens is you get a t- when when people are tweeting things out and I, I tweet these things out as well sometimes it can come off uh, out of context because you don't get the full range of the conversation but he had some interesting comments, you know, asked about Kenny Pickett's interceptions and the Steelers' problems with turnovers and, you know, how he addresses it. But he also was asked about the change, you know, when is the time for change in the offense? Here's Mike Tomlin's answers to those questions Tuesday from the Steelers' practice facility. Like you mentioned the turnovers. Uh, Philadelphia only has two. What's your talk with Kenny about interceptions? Is it growing pains? What's leading to some of the mistakes he's made? Um, I'm not. I'm not overly um, communicating those conversations. Um, he's playing and playing to win. Um, there's some things to be learned, um, but they're not producing unusual uh, conversations between he and I regarding that. Um, we got to take care of the ball every week. Um, that's our mindset. Um, I'm just highlighting the reasons why Philadelphia is a 6-0 group. Um, but in terms of our agenda, our preparedness, our focus, how we develop our plans and his role in it, ball security is a significant component week in and week out. Mike, this offense is at a big talking point. You said in the past that you're open to change if it would produce better outcomes. Why is now not the time to make a change? Because I don't feel like I'm there. I want to start with that last question and how he responded to it, because it's like, why is now not the time for change in the offense? And of course, it's alluding to Matt Canada and the offense and and how it it had it's been bad, it's been terrible, it hasn't produced any success. And he's asked, why is now not the time? And he says, because I'm not there. And he leaves it at that. He doesn't explain anything else. But Josh, and I've I've had this argument with people on Twitter on shows. Um, you know, a, a colleague of ours, Aditi King who covered the Steelers for years, um, she tweeted out, you know, the Ravens changed their offensive coordinator 2012 and they won a Super Bowl. Uh, but you know, I thought it was proper context for that because it's like that was in the fifth year of Joe Flacco's career, not the rookie, not his rookie season. The Ravens had a winning record at that point and just needed a twinge to, to their plan, not necessarily completely revamping and understanding of it, establishing what the heck you're even your the, the identity of your offense is. Uh, and it, it, those are completely different circumstances. Like like comparing those two, I think is kind of moot. Uh, you know, as far as the point, but where I do think is it's relevant is. You know, Mike Tomlin stick it sticking, you know, not he one Mike Tomlin may be furious with Matt Canada about things, but he's not gonna let us know that in the because what what does that do other than just invite more flames to that situation than there that already is? And I've maintained this whole time. I don't think the Steelers are getting rid of Matt Canada midseason. They may do it, they may very well do it after the season's over to say, hey, we're gonna just go in a new direction, get get a, a you know a more experienced NFL coordinator who's used to working with young quarterbacks. I can see that being the case. But right now, with Matt Canada, if you get rid of him, you will then have a third offensive coordinator for Kenny Pickett in less than two years. And then at the start of the next season, you'll need to get a fourth offensive coordinator for him. And that's just not the best way to work with rookie quarterbacks. But, Josh, is Mike Tomlin being too stubborn by not just axing Matt Canada and just saying, forget it, throw everything out the, throw everything out the, rule, the rule book out the window. We just need something different going on here. All right, I'm going to attack this three different ways. The first thing I'm going to bring up is, and I'll add some extra context to that discussion about Baltimore in 2012. Yeah. Cam Cameron was replaced by Jim Caldwell. Mm-hmm. He had already been an offensive assistant before, and he had also previously been a head coach. Jim Caldwell at the time had a ton of experience in the league as a coach when he replaced Cam Cameron with Baltimore. 
-hmm. So why we're acting like this is some miraculous move that like, you know, Jim Caldwell was some name out of nowhere. That's really, really disingenuous. There's that's that first thing. The second thing I will bring up is the fact that, you know, when we're talking about particularly this offense and more, more importantly, I know they talked about the, the possibility of changes and how there hasn't been things that have been happening. And Mike Tomlin talked about the turnover aspect of it. Here's the dirty little secret that we don't want to say out loud. If not for a couple of late interceptions, perhaps this team is four and three mm. instead of two and five. Mm. And if this team is four and three instead of two and five, that makes some time for first place in the AFC North division. And we're talking about this team entirely different. That's another part of it. And the third thing I'll bring up, when you talk about changing coordinators midseason, and I'm glad you brought this up because you're talking three different coordinators for Kenny Pickett in the short period of time. The last time we saw this team go through that kind of stretch with that many coordinators in a short period of time, you got to go back to the 90s. You're talking Ray Sherman, Kevin Gilbride, and Mike Malarkey. And, and that was after Chan Gailey left Pittsburgh to become head coach of the Cowboys. But you had another good young quarterback that was trying to develop. And granted, he wasn't a rookie, but he was a young quarterback that you're trying to develop. He had a bunch of different offensive coordinators in a short period of time, and they all kept trying to make him do different things that he wasn't good at. And it didn't work out that well that time either. So you don't want to have that problem at this point in Kenny Pickett's development. I totally agree with that. Now, if you're talking about after the season, you move on from, from Matt Canada and maybe Mike Sullivan's the guy, he's been offensive coordinator for two different organizations. I wouldn't argue with that move, but that was particularly the move. I'll say this much. Mike Sullivan doesn't have the greatest track record while he's been offensive coordinator of those two teams. This is also Buccaneers true. The Giants. This is also true because if you're going to bring up Terrell Austin's track record as a defensive coordinator, you got to bring up Mike Sullivan as an offensive coordinator as well. This is why I tell people, caveat emptor, you're talking about making this big drastic move. We'll bring this guy in. How do you know this guy's going to be better than the other one? It, there, there's no guarantee with that. So I'm I'm with you on this. Even if you did want to make a move midseason to try to change up the offense, but here's another thing that doesn't get said out loud. Also, why are we led to believe that this offense is actually being the ex executed the way it's supposed to be? Hmm. Because if you're going back and looking at the tape, every other snap, if not every snap, there's something that's going wrong. And yeah. some of the guys on this team have talked about that. Najee Harris said it specifically. He goes, look, it takes all 11 guys to make a play work, but if one guy does something wrong, it falls apart. And we've seen a lot of plays, Chris, whether in the run game or in the passing game, and all it took was one guy for things to fall apart, one missed block, one missed assignment, one missed red route, or in the quarterback's case, one errant throw, and everything just completely goes sideways. So we could keep talking about how this offense doesn't look the way it's supposed to, but at the same time, I don't think it's always been executed the way it's drawn up because for some odd reason, something always goes wrong with one guy. And I'll, I'll add another context to this. There's sometimes when certain plays are called, it's the same guy with the same problems. This team runs zone splits and Pat Fryer misses his block almost every time they mm. try to run. RPOs, it's true. If you watch the film, watch the film, Pat Fryer move does not make, he does not get to his assignment when they run that zone split. And I'm not the only one seeing this. When they try to run either that, you know, that shovel pass where they try to run an RPO, Chiefs or for is always called for a legal man downfield, or mm -hmm. more often than not. And it's just like, how does this keep happening? I feel like Sergey in season five of The Wire. Why always Boris? Why always Chooks? That's what it feels like to me. So if we're talking about what this offense needs to change, the thing I'm looking at is why is the execution so below level that it needs to be? 
And if you can figure that out, the rest of it might sort itself out. I'm not saying it immediately fixes the problem. I'm not saying it absolves Matt Canada. But if you can solve that part of it, maybe you get better results. Maybe sometimes you just start with the small stuff and work your way up from there. We'll talk about some of the small stuff because Mike Tomlin also addressed uh, some of the things like the jet sweeps and their success or lack thereof, as well as what they what the role they play in the Steelers' offense, as well as chunk plays. Because as I said on my Tuesday episode, where I was getting out the great, the biggest thing that they could do right now is get more of those chunk plays dialed up. We'll talk about that in just a minute here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. But first, we got to talk to you guys about our friends over at LinkedIn. LinkedIn, of course, is the number one place that people go to when they're looking for a job. So if you're looking to hire somebody, that makes LinkedIn also the place, the number one place for you to go find a, a candidate. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach out to your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then just add your job and add to, and add the purple ha- hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply we're also brought to you by bird dogs bird dogs has high quality pants shorts and joggers and all sorts of great options to wear as we get further into fall and closer to winter i'm a big fan of their new sweatpants because they're super comfortable and they're the perfect thing that i wear at home when i'm watching game film but bird dogs also have plenty of things to wear for when you're going out like their high quality golf plants or their joggers if you see yourself working out they're a high quality that they're higher quality than lululemon and they come about $20 less they even have shorts for all those people out there that like to wear shorts when it's cold don't know what's wrong with y'all y'all are sick people but hey if you if you want to be sick Bird Dogs got you with with some high quality shorts for wearing it in the cold as well. Go to birddogs.com, enter pro, promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N locked on, and they'll throw in a free Bird Dogs rope hat with 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 your order. Again, that's birddogs.com. It's promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N, and boom, a free Bird Dogs rope hat with your pair of Bird Dogs sweatpants, golf pants, joggers, and or shorts will be there for you. These are the most comfortable pants with built-in liners, and you will not t- want to take these things off. I promise you. Go get something. Go get some pants at BirdDogs.com. All right, when we do double ad reads here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, Josh, that means we keep it rolling because we just we, we're doing our thing here. Now, I want to keep going with this part. Now, I, I want to before we get into this, I do think it's important to address Mike Tomlin's you know brief comment about you know Kenny Pickett and turnovers. You know, yeah, like. He he knows that like Kenny Pickett is working to improve the on those, but it's also not like a dang it, Kenny. You know, don't take chances in the game. You know, he under I think Mike Tomlin understands the demeanor of with taking chances, with trying to be, be a playmaker, you're going to make some mistakes. And I think that they're giving Kenny Pickett the space as a rookie to make mistakes so that he can learn from him because that's the only way that you can grow, especially when you're this young in the NFL especially considering the fact that the last quarterback Mike Tomlin had as a starter for the entire tenure he was here. It was a guy who was really good in the fourth quarter and making plays and taking risks and being able to capitalize. So Mm -hmm. he would be doing himself a disservice if he didn't allow the next guy that's coming in and developing to operate in that same space. It really comes back to what you and I have been talking about all season long. We thought the identity of this team would be as far as trying to win games. 
play some defense, run the ball, don't turn it over, and give yourself a chance in the fourth quarter for your quarterback to make a play. Well, that's what they're trying to do, and that's what they've done in the past couple games. Mr. Trubisky did it against Tampa Bay. He had to make plays to win that game. And then against Miami, they were in position to make plays to win that game. They were in position to make plays to win the game against the Jets. They were in position to make plays to win the game against Cincinnati. Just so happened a couple of things swung in their favor in Cincy. But there has been a recurring theme with how this team is trying to win games or at least put themselves in position to win games. But at the same time, you got a rookie quarterback like you mentioned. There's going to be some mistakes that he makes. And instead of trying to find some magic bullet as to why it's not working, just embrace the fact that, hey, this may work, it may not, but this is the boat that you're in when you're trying to bring a, a young quarterback along and help him learn on the fly. Certainly. I also think it's important to look at, you know, some of the play calls there because one of the one of the gripes that people have, and, and Josh, people listen to this program, you know you and I have been guys that have acknowledged like, hey, there's the good parts to Matt Canada, there's certainly the bad parts. But one of the ba- bad part, one of the parts that everyone says is bad are his calls of jet sweeps. And Mike Tom was spe- specifically asked about the jet sweeps, also asked about the chunk plays needing to improve. I want to let y'all listen to what Mike Tomlin said Tuesday when asked those questions. Coach, you mentioned the Eagles front push. Your offense uses a lot of jet speeds. Is that to help your offense, young offensive line? And secondly, do you think, I mean, do you see to use more jet sweeps than anybody else in the league? Has that been effective this season for you? It's about making the defense um, defend all the gaps across the field, C-gap, D-gap, E-gap, and, and sometimes expanding gaps. And it's not about what happens when you do it. It's about making them respected and maybe creating some interior run lanes as well. It's just a function of ball. It's not anything earth shattering or even innovative at this point, to be quite honest with you. Everybody in football every week, I'm, I'm turning on tapes and I see jet sweeps coming from just about anybody in an effort to control those perimeter gaps and maybe create more space inside. Do you like, think they've been effectively run this season? Um, at times, they've been, been been really effective. At times, they've been been popcorn. They've been hit or miss. Mike, what can you guys do as an offense to get more chunk plays? You know, keep working. Um, keep working. With, with continuity, it raises your floor. When you raise your floor and you minimize negativity, you increase the, the potential for, for positivity. And so um, sometimes the changes that need to occur aren't significant ones. They're just continuing to work and understanding that, that the dam's going to break in terms of those opportunities happen. I know staying on schedule and not being behind the chains is a is a component of that as well. Mike, along those lines. So talking about the, you know, the dam breaking there as far as how Mike Tomlin wants to wants to address it, you know, with, with the chunk plays, I, I think part of it is they're expecting, you know, that they're saying like, hey, we're 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 still pushing, we're still growing as a unit, we're still figuring out who we are. But I, I do think that you know, as much as Mike Tom is going to deflect, he's not going to allow, you know, he's not going to allow like the post, the, 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 the press conference to be the thing that splinters his relationship with any of his coaches and players and, and things like that. I, I, I also think it's important to emphasize this. People are like, oh, man, he's not saying that Matt Canada's at fault with him for everything. He's not saying what he says in the in the press conference is not what gets them ready during the week. That's not what that, that's not what, what 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 fixes the problems with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's just his communications with us as media as we ask him ask him those questions. But talking uh, you know about you know those those chunk plays not being not being there and you know as much as some some people want sometimes it's situational, sometimes it's a mistake, but I do think 
that if there's one thing that Matt Canada can drop, it's it's like what you said. You know, when you look at the the problems with this offense, when it comes to some of those jet sweeps, some of those those off tackle runs, some of those zone runs, and sometimes where it's just that one person makes a mistake and it blows everything up. When you hit on a shot play, it eliminates or it excuse me, it minimizes the amount of times that you have to you need for your offense to be perfect and avoid those those type of mistakes. I think that's a big part of what he's talking of what the Steelers need. And uh, I think he acknowledges that like, yeah, they got to get better at that. But he also acknowledges like, you know, it can't be for the sake of just forcing it to force it because that's what Mitch Trubisky did when he threw his interception against the Patriots. I need to say two things to this. The first sure. thing I need to do is apologize for my body language coming out of that clip because I, I found myself just increasingly irritated. How can you ask a question about a play a team runs without really understanding the purpose of the play. First of all, first that's the first thing. Okay. Second of all, how can you make an assertion like it seems like you run it more than anybody else when you haven't really gauged it against the rest of the league to confirm it or deny it? Because if you made the effort to gauge it against the rest of the league, then you'd realize probably two-thirds of offenses in the league have some form of player concept where they either run a jet sweep or at least utilize jet motion to make that concept work. And the fact that Mike Tomlin had to explain that they use it to make the defense respect all gaps mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. the offense, the fact that he had to explain that, my first response is, and, and I've heard people complain about this, well, they, they just keep trying to stretch horizontal without stretching vertically. Tell me you never heard about Don Coriel without telling me you never heard of Don Coriel. Hmm. That was the entire premise of the Air Coriel offense. You make the team, you make the other team. And not to mention the fact it was the main, one of the main conduits of Dutch Meyer's spread offense in the 40s at TCU. It was the entire aspect of you make them defend all 53, was it 53 and a third or 53 and a half yards of the field in order to stretch them out and find space vertically. That's why that works the way it does. That's why you see a lot of college football teams run spread offenses where literally one receiver's on the outside of the numbers on one side and the other receiver's on the outside of the numbers on the other side, regardless of which hash the ball is placed on, because they are trying to stretch a defense horizontally in order to find spaces vertically. Or more importantly, even when you see teams run the air raid, the gaps between the offensive linemen, they're trying to stretch the defensive linemen out and make it a longer path to get to the quarterback or create runs for the running back. This is all stuff that people who watch football and dissect tape just know. It's stuff that we just understand, and it is pretty much understood. I don't know why we keep getting on this thing where they do it more than anybody else. Josh Cohen, who's a, a guy who breaks down tape, I think you and I both follow him on Twitter, he created a thread, Chris, mm -hmm. on maybe 10 or 11 teams that were all running this same exact concept. They were running a zone split run play with jet motion to try to stretch the defense out. I'm talking 10 or 11 teams. I'm talking the Giants. Not only did the Giants run his own split, they also ran a read option off of it with Daniel Jones. They ran two different concepts of it, but it was the Giants. It was the 49ers. It was the Lions. It was uh, San Francisco. I think I mentioned San Francisco already. I think Baltimore was one of those teams. But you saw a good 10 to 12 teams doing the exact same thing, and the Steelers were one of those 10 to 12 teams. Now, who was the one team that did it badly? It was the Steelers. Mm. They were the ones that executed it. Badly, which brings to the next thing that Mike Tomlin was talking about when he mentioned continuity, raising your floor and minimizing the negativity. What is he saying? We got to keep doing stuff over and over again until we get it right, because we're not getting it right. He's not going to come out and say 
we keep messing it up and we need to keep doing it. But and that it's is this guy's way, fault. That is his way of saying, we got to keep doing this until you get it right. You and I have talked about this many a time. I call it the George Novak principle. You got to get something down to the point where your coach, when you have something that you know you do that well, that you need to, you go to that thing. And you and I talked about this before. What is this team's one play? I, I had this discussion with my brother-in-law. We're watching again. I said, Pete, what was the play you ran in high school if you know you needed if you needed a couple yards, you needed a touchdown? Oh, we ran tray left, which was a counter tray off the left side. He mm-hmm. said, we knew we needed yards. We were running team. That's what we ran. What is this team's play that they go to? If you stopped, if you stopped, um, you stopped Tom Moore randomly, like another coach did, what was Peyton Manning's paper play? He could draw it for you on a napkin yep. because he knew what that play was. This team does not have that play yet. So you got to be able to keep working to figure out what works for you till it gets to the point where you're going to ru- keep running this play until the other team stops you, which comes back to the George Novak principle. He can run the same run play at Woodland Hills for 20 years <laughs> and he'll say, why'd you keep running it? He said, well, he didn't stop us. You got to work to get to that point. You don't become that. You don't. You don't have that kind of efficiency overnight. You got to work to get there. They haven't found that yet. Yeah. And that's and that's it's just an example. Like just that zone split concept is an example of this offense as a whole. You mentioned it as far as the jet sweeps. How many times do we see these guys run a play and one guy misses a block or on a pass plays one guy lets his defender into the backfield? The play where Kenny Pickett got concussed comes to mind. All these other things tend to add up, and all it takes is one thing going wrong. Because if you have a team that isn't getting everything executed properly, you're going to keep having these problems. I, I think it was Dan Orlovsky that said, it looks like the Steelers' the offense only runs 10 plays. Yeah, because they get nine of them wrong every day. Mm. you, you got to get to the point where you're getting stuff right consistently. And what Mike Tomlin is saying is, we're going to keep doing this, and we're going to keep working on it until we get it right. And then when we get that right, then we can work on other stuff. Until then, they gotta get the basic stuff right, and they're not doing it right now. I agree. They're not doing the they're not doing the basics, and in, in that's in the run game and in the passing game. Not taking what's there, taking advantage of you know of, of poor positioning. And I think there's times they have done it, but it hasn't been consistent. And there needs to be some consistency, some basis to work with, you know, moving moving forward. Um, so I, I agree with you on the on on those counts. Um, and I also think it's important to point out if you go look at rushes by receivers on the year. Um, Chase Claypool does have the third most in the NFL with eight. Um, and then uh, Deontay Johnson, I believe, has the seventh most with five. But Debo Samuel has more more than both of them combined. Um, uh, Curtis Samuel has 13, just two less than the two of them combined. Um, the Rams do it a lot, either with Cooper Cup or with Brandon Powell. Um, the Ravens do it from time to time. The Dolphins do it from time to time to, time to three kill. It's just part of NFL offenses. When Mike Tomlin was saying it wasn't that innovative anymore, he wasn't saying it's a dumb idea. He's just saying everyone works at it because we know what, what challenge it brings. And uh, I, I do think that that's part of the discussion moving forward is how do they bring those meet those challenges because the Steelers, they need they need points. And, and I think they need they also need drives where they don't have to make a million, do a million things right 20 times. They need to be able to to win off of big plays, get some, you know, have some quick, quick drives so that they can get back, get on the board. And it put pressure on defenses to consider more of the deep ball. This is where I dropped my obligatory movie quote for the, epi- okay. for the what, this episode what you got for me? Let's go all the way back to the Incredibles. The very first Incredibles movie. Remember the kid buddy that grew up to become syndrome. Yeah. Remember his whole premise for becoming, you know, a fake superhero that, you know, he was going to sell this whole line of super suits so everybody would become super because if everybody's super, Nobody. then no one will be. 
it's to the point now with offenses running the jet sweep since everybody's doing it. It's not really that innovative anymore. That's what Mike Tomlin's telling you. In this particular case, everybody's super, so no one really is because everybody's doing it. And I'm right. glad you brought up Debo Samuel. I literally had this discussion with somebody. I think it was either today or yesterday, Chris. We were talking about this same thing with all the other teams that run some of the same things the Steelers do. I said, did you watch the game with Kansas City and San Francisco? He said, yeah. I said, did you see how many times either team ran jet motion? Because they both do it a lot. He goes, yeah. I said, like, did you see how many times San Francisco ran the ball with their wide receivers? Because they do it a lot with Debo Samuel. He said, yeah. I said, you know what the difference, difference between San Francisco and the Steelers is? He said, no. I said, the 49ers have Debo Samuel. The Steelers don't. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. If you have a Debo Samuel type of receiver, you're going to get Debo Samuel type results. Chase Claypool is not a Debo Samuel. Deontay Johnson is not a Debo Samuel. They're not lining these guys up in the backfield and right. running old school LSU tosses to the outside. San Francisco does that with Debo Samuel because he's that kind of player. He has that unique kind of talent. You don't see that a lot in the league, but that's why San Francisco is able to do that because they got a guy like Debo Samuel is able to do it. They also got a guy who's helping block in front of him named Trent Williams, who may be the best all-around lineman in the game. Steelers ain't got a guy like that. Sometimes the personnel dictates what you're able to do, not only dictates what you're able to do, but how well you're able to do it. I there's hear, there's I, a there's a, a a gap there. I hear that. I think we could talk a lot more about this offense moving forward. We got to switch to the defense here, so stay tuned as we do that because I asked Mike Tomlin some specific questions about a specific player on the defense, and uh, his response was interesting based off of some of the film that I that I was able to watch before the Mike Tomlin press conference. So we'll get back to that in just a minute here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. But first. We got to talk to you guys about our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks, of course, is daily fantasy made easy. All you have to do for Prize Picks is pick two to five players in a sport that you feel you have a fantasy beat on for their day. Then when you when you get their their their, their, their names pulled up, Prize Picks is going to give you a, a number, and you have to pick whether they'll get more or less than that number in their next contents. It's that easy to win games. You're not playing against millions of people. You're not trying to beat out a whole bunch of competition. You're just trying to beat the house. And you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry when you're playing prize picks. You're not competing against others. Remember, you're competing against prize picks itself. Prize picks includes the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, college sports, and so much more. Download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and, and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 uh, with promo code locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on at prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on at prize picks. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm Chris Carter. He's Josh Taylor. We've talked a lot about the offense and Matt Canada, and I, I guess I want to revisit this point to make sure that there's there's something here, Josh. What is the leash for Matt Canada before we do switch to the defense? What do you see him being let go this year? Josh, I think you're on mute. Sorry, I had myself muted. Um, not during the season, no. I, 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 Like I said before, I just don't think that's a protective thing to do. Now, if at the end of the season they sit down and they really go through all the details as to what they did with this offense and what went right and what went wrong, and if I'm looking at a couple of key criticisms and I'm going to levy, which I still do levy criticisms on Matt Canada, by the way, one of them would be pretty much a lack of commitment to the run game. I've been saying this a long time. Running the football is a mindset. It doesn't seem like to be a mindset that's that prevalent with this team. That's one critique I'm going to levy. And the other one I would say is that 
maybe they're not getting the most out of the talent that they have with this offense. Now, the one thing that makes this complicated is that you haven't had Calvin Austin for the entire preseason and the whole regular season because he's been on injured reserve. And I know people keep asking, what's going on with him? Well, he's on injured reserve for a reason. So if you don't have this guy available, yes, the window for him to practice is there. But if you're Mike Tomlin and you're Matt Canada, you want to use that entire window for today. Make sure he's healthy. I want to emphasize, Josh, real quick, as you finish your point, the window closes Tuesday or Wednesday, excuse me. So the the Steelers, I think it's 4 p.m. that they have Mm -hmm. until to to decide him. But but going to your point, you you said, A, making your point about that. A, you want to make sure he's healthy when you bring him off injured reserve because, you know, you want to make sure you put him on the field and do something with him. B, you want to get as much practice time as possible because if he is indeed healthy, you want to make sure he's ready when he gets out there because, once again, Missed the entire preseason, has missed seven regular season games, and he's a rookie. So it's not like he came in knowing what to expect. It's not like they got a bunch of time with him to teach him everything he needs to know. So all that stuff comes into play. But I say all that to say this. If you're not getting the most out of the talent that you have in your offense, and more importantly, let's say they are executing at the level you want them to and it's still not working, then that's something I'm looking into. However, at the same time, if things are being executed well, all right, well, maybe it's time to start trying to do different things that might suit this group better. Maybe that's something you revisit in the offseason. And if there's no desire to do that, then maybe moving on is the key. But if you are going to move on from that candidate, I don't think going to think it's midseason because I don't think it helps everybody in the long term doing that. If you want to do an uh, end of the season, I think that's a, a more, I guess that's a, a more efficient avenue, so to speak. We're on the same page there. I just don't think it, it makes sense right now. I know some people are impatient, but ride it out. Don't make it. Kenny Pickett have to learn a, a third offensive coordinator in less than uh, in, really less than a year because this time last year he was he was working with with Mark with Mark uh, Whipple. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think and I think it's totally fine to get rid of him at the end of the season if you don't like the direction that, that everything's gone in. And then let's face it, if it stays on this direction, yeah, do get rid of him. But. Uh, right. I, but but I, again, I don't think it's as much as on people. I, I don't think it's as much on on uh, in in the dire straits of getting rid of Matt Canada now as a, as a mandatory thing as people make it out to be. And I think you know, if the Steelers make that call, that'll be very interesting because that'll be a, a huge break from how they've operated. Um, but uh, again, I don't see that coming anytime soon. I want to talk to you guys about Devin Bush because Mike Tomlin. I asked him about him. And there were some interesting things he said about Devin Bush and what him and Miles Jack were doing. Here's Mike Tomlin again from the Steelers practice silly on Tuesday. Mike, talking back about, about Devin, you talked about the adjustments that you guys made defensively and you know to how they were attacking the middle part of the field. How much of his athleticism and communication, along with Miles Jack, was part of defending that? Because he broke up a pass to Tyree Kill over yeah, there. I don't know if there were adjustments as more as it was just us getting a field. Um, I don't know that there were a lot of significant changes in terms of what we were doing. Um, we just detailed it, had a few necessary conversations, got some of our guys closer to some of their guys, and obviously his athleticism is a component of that, but his athleticism has been a component of the reason why he's here. Um, you like athletic linebackers that, that from time to time and underneath certain matchups and certain underneath matchups are capable of occupying space with more athletic guys, knowing that there's help over the top, et cetera. And, He's certainly capable of that. And, you know, Josh, it's interesting for me because I was a person who all last year said Devin Bush is struggling. 
but this ain't all about this isn't his future this isn't you know this isn't who he is or will be forever and i said maybe it will be but i think it's important to give him another chance and lo and behold he's putting together some really good games uh when you look at what he's doing even while the steelers are losing but him and miles jack are coming together and and you know the reason they went and got devin bush and i said this yesterday when i gave him a two-star grade in our grading segment uh on the tuesday episode but a big part of where they went and got him is that he can run, he can he can cover, he can use his speed. And Mike Tomlin talked about that speed there. There was a play where Tyreek Hill ran down the seam. Devin Bush plastered him, knocked down the ball when it when it when it was thrown his way. I think he was targeted three times the entire game, gave up a, a one reception for like nine yards or something, and that was it. And he and he helped against the run and looked good doing that too. I do think that that Devin Bush is figuring things out. The biggest thing for me, though, is he's eventually going to have to help in the contribution of creating turnovers if he wants to get paid, you know, big, you know, big money. But uh, as far as being a guy that's that's doing the things that you need to do, the dirty work at inside linebacker, he's doing it now. Yeah, it, it, you can tell the difference. I, I I said this a couple times. I, I I try to take the Buffalo game out of the equation because I think just about everybody looked bad in that game. But if you take the game against Miami, the game against Tampa, and the game against the Jets, <clears throat> you can make the case that those were his three strongest games of the year. I can really make that case for him as far as his play, what he was expected to do, and how well he performed. You can tell he's getting more and more confident. I, I, I've kind of had that feeling all along, even last season. My, my thought process was, was A, he probably didn't feel like he was completely healed from the knee injury he had a couple seasons ago, and B, you know, to, to quote – you know, the Ron Washington character for Moneyball, he lacks confidence. It just it felt like it felt that way. But you see that confidence and you see the ability to carry out those assignments getting stronger over time. And I think that's a good thing. Like I said, I'm I'm parsing that Buffalo game because just about everybody was off their game that day. But I thought you saw a lot during Miami of a guy who was playing confidently. He was playing confidently and he was playing fast. I think that's the fastest and most confident we've seen Devin Bush play. All season, probably in the last couple of years, he even made a big play, big, big tackle for loss behind the line of scrimmage. Mike Tomlin always talks about getting TFLs and making plays behind the sticks on first and second down. He made one of those two. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those plays where all he did was shoot his gap, get low, use proper form and bring the guy to the ground. And that's what you're supposed to do. So the fact that he did that and he's starting to get more in the direction of doing that, I think it's a positive thing. I thought his work in the passing game against Tampa Bay was the best we've seen probably since his rookie season. And I think you bring up a good point. Him forcing turnovers kind of helps underline his usefulness, especially considering the fact he was a guy who forced quite a bit of takeaways that rookie season where he started out so strong. He was forcing turnovers, whether it was getting interceptions or forcing fumbles. He was actually really good at that. And we haven't seen that since then. But I will say the inside linebacker play as a whole, because I don't want to leave Devin Bush by himself. I think Miles Jack has gotten stronger as the season goes, has gone along. I thought Tampa was Robert Spillane's best game that we've probably seen from I, him. I agree with that. A lot of people I thought gave he was him fantastic. Crap. Yeah, I, I'm right with you. A lot of people gave him crap because he gave up like a couple pass plays. But there were some plays where I again I was watching in the booth and it, I confirmed it with my with the with watching the all 22. There were some plays Tom Brady looked right at Robert Spillane, being like, I'm coming, I'm coming. Mm-hmm. Crap, he's in position. I gotta go somewhere else. And that was what was was really messing him up, is that he couldn't pick on Robert Spillane. He actually had a really good game in that one. And he saved a touchdown with a big deflection, too. Big so deflection. I, we, we can talk. I mean, we could talk about this inside linebacker group. They were the subject of a lot of people's, you know, attention. A lot of people's ire. They were the whipping boys on the defense coming into this season. Past past three out of four games, they played pretty well and acquitted themselves. So I, I got to give them credit for it. I had to give them a shout out. 
Uh, same here. That's why I brought it to bring up Mike Tomlin's comments because I do think it's it's very relevant to the structure of this defense. And as I said, I think a big part of how this defense needs to move forward is the linebackers have to be the glue. One, you need TJ Watt back. That defensive front has to get back to being active again. Mike Tomlin emphasized at the top. One of the first things he said was when asked about the teams what the team has to improve on, he said pass rush. You got to get after the quarterback. You got to be able to do that. We haven't done that enough. And I think that that's absolutely part of it. But if that pass rush is there and the linebackers are helping in coverage in certain situations and stuffing the run and the secondary is playing the way that it that it has the last two games then you become the elite defense and they, but you also have to do catch those interceptions that are thrown right to you but i do think that those uh those th those numbers will kind of add average themselves out after you saw four drops in this last game i think you're going to start to see more plays where it kind of works out in their favor just historically speaking when you've seen those type of plays on defense I got to drop this one more thing in there because it's something that I've talked about a lot over the past couple of years, and you and I have discussed it quite a bit. There's already been four times this season when this defense has allowed 20 points or less, and there could have been a fifth against the Jets. I thought yeah. there was a potential fifth that was a missed opportunity for them. Four out of those five games, they allowed fewer than 300 total yards, and the only one they allowed more than 300 was Miami, and 260 of them were, were via the pass. So they've been limiting teams in yards. They've been limiting them in points for the most part, and they've been doing a much better job of shutting down the run. And that was one of the things they were so maligned for in the offseason, Chris, when they gave up the most yards in, in, in franchise history, and they were the worst rush, rush defense in the league. They look a lot better now against the run. They're right Statistically, they're right there in the average group, but they've been a lot more efficient at limiting teams and not letting them use the run to shut them down. I take the fourth quarter New England, and I kind of set it to the side. Because right. that was a game where they had already played a, a lot of snaps. They had come off playing 90 snaps the week before that in, in Cincinnati. And New England knew that. Bill Belichick yep. knew that. Not to mention the fact that the run game has become such a heavy part of Belichick's game plan on most weeks. I mean, the guy ran the ball, what, 45 times last week in Buffalo with bad weather. So it's not like this is something that should be surprising that New England's key you know, element of their offense in the second half is running the football. They got two really good running backs they can do that with, which is also Bill Belichick's staple, running back mm -hmm. by committee. Just saying. But it stands to reason that I think the defense, while a lot of people continue to just point at it as the reason for a lot of things and why they've gone wrong, I'm going to keep bringing this up. More, than, more often than not, they're limiting teams to 20 points or less. And then the last two times they did it, one was Tom Brady and Leonard Fournette, and the other one was Tua Tagovailoa, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddle. And they kept Tyreek Hill out of the end zone while shutting them out in the second half. I can't stress that enough. And I'm going to say this thing too, because it might make some people mad, but I don't care. We got on their case against New England because they couldn't get the stop that could close out the game. We got on their case against Cincinnati because they couldn't get the stop at the end regulation to close out the game. We got on their case against the Jets because they couldn't make the stop to close out the game. Well, what did they do against Miami? They kept getting that stop over and over and over and over. True. Even after the offense threw an interception with three and a half minutes left in the game, what did the defense do? They came back out and they forced a three and out because they didn't do that against the Jets. Mm -hmm. The offense turned it over three and a half minutes left against the Jets. They couldn't get that stop. They did it in Miami, and they got a three and out and got the ball back with plenty of time. So we can keep talking about what this defense is not doing, but we got to start talking about the things they are doing because they're doing them more and increasingly, and you're seeing the difference made. Josh, we're way over our time here in the Lockdown Steelers podcast, but you make a lot of great points as usual. That's why we like to have you on here so much. Thanks again for joining me here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Let people know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Josh Taylor HD on social media. That's the best place to follow me as far as social media goes. As far as work, um, cbspittsburgh.com. I do a, a column every Wednesday on our website. I call it the Wednesday Warning. Hashtag eat the warning. 
Also, you can wa- you can also stream uh, KDK TV News and KDK News on CW there also. Um, 10.35 on Pittsburgh CW is the Ireland Contracting Nightly Sports Call. You can catch me there, too, on Fridays and Saturdays. On the radio side, uh, the Odyssey app is the best place where you can also listen to the Locked On Steelers podcast. Mm-hmm. You can listen to me on 93.7 The Fan. I'll be on Wednesday night from 7 to 10.35. One of my guests during the show, this guy. Yeet. This is going to join me talking about Steelers and Pitt, too. We'll have a lot to talk about there. So that's where you go. Absolutely. Do check him out there. Check me out, Chris Carter, right here on the Locked on Steelers podcast, Monday through Friday on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. You can also check me out on uh, on my, my social media handles at Carter Critiques. You can also read me at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette where I cover the Pitt Panthers, both football, basketball, and all things athletics there. Um, you can also hear me on this show. You can also hear me and, and watch me on the Friday edition of Locked on NFL. You can also hear me and watch me on WPXI Channel 11 where I'm doing fantasy football on Wednesdays, high school football on Fridays, sometimes and sometimes final word on Sundays. It's all there. So, But check check me out at Carter Critiques if you want to see all my different work. Back tomorrow with a crossover Thursday, getting you ready for Steelers-Eagles. We'll talk to the Eagles hosts, getting you ready for the big game Sunday. Thanks again to Josh. Thank you all for checking us out. We'll be back very soon.